tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let's start with the Philly-Boston uh, series. Sixers tied things up 2-2. Razor-thin margin of going down 3-1. Uh, I don't know why, but Marcus Smart is now uh, in charge of hitting or m- just missing or just taking game winners. That's just what his role is now on this Boston Celtics team. Never mind that there's Jason Tatum there. Never mind that there's Jalen Brown there. Never mind that he's just one of the all-time greatest chucker inconsistent shooters in the league. Uh, One missed three that could have won the Boston Celtics the game and another made three of of Marcus Smart's in overtime uh, that he actually got off after the buzzer. So it went in, it was very close, uh, and it it was not good. That was very, very razor thin. But the biggest story I think to me feels like James Harden. James Harden as a roller coaster is in full effect this playoffs. Usually we can somewhat expect a level of consistency for him in the playoffs, and it's usually not great. But he has made headlines all series long. His fashion, whatever the kind of electric factory type fashion that he has, uh, going to Vegas during an off day for a little baby party. Uh, J- James Harden and little baby are like the best of friends. Like, they're a little too close. If you know what I'm saying? Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But they are, like, white on rice. They are peas and carrots, James Harden and little Baby. Uh, the, and then to putting up the best and worst games of his playoff career in the same series, back to back to back to back. Yes. 45 points, game one, without Embiid. At that point was probably his single best performance of his playoff career. Which he then followed up with the two worst shooting performances of his entire career, playoffs and regular season combined. That's true as well. And then, how did he follow that up? 42 points, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 steals, 1 block. And a corner 3 to win the game, catch and shoot, James Harden. Who are you, James Harden? 
He had a game-tying three in regulation and a game-winning three in overtime. So two best games of his career, bookending the two worst shooting performances of his career. That is the James Harden experience, folks. Another fun fact about James Harden, he has now hit two game winners in the same series, which is absurdly rare, and the only other player to do that, the last player to do that, was his teammate, former teammate, Kevin Durant, back in 2012 against the L.A. Lakers. Been that kind of playoffs for James Harden. And the funniest part to me was that James Harden got the strangest inspiration for that performance from none other than Doc Rivers in the form of an inspirational song sent to him via text message before he got to the arena. An eight-minute gospel song sent to James Harden. I didn't think James Harden was into that kind of thing, but I guess whatever works, right? Harden said he was in the car with his friends probably a little baby, and <laughs> and got the text message from Doc Rivers and then asked his friends to put the song on. Hey, let's just put the song on. Let's listen to the whole thing through. Was little baby driving? It's unclear. Does he have a chauffeur? Because nobody who's driving asks their friends, hey, let's just put this on. They just put it on, right? That's just what you do when you're driving. Anyway, all these things run through my head. So he listens to it all the way through. And he thought at that point, and he said this in his post-game presser, that he thought that the song had to have some good juju. Then, as we know, he went on, put on a show, game-tying three, game-winning three. And P.J. Tucker said it perfectly in the post-game presser with James Harden. You better play that fucking song again before uh, game five because whatever that song did, it got it. Which brings us to P.J. Tucker, one of the more fascinating glue guys, I think, in the league. Big-time dog. I would say one of the biggest dogs in, in terms of the role player position. Like, if you have the he's got that dog in a meme, that's P.J. Tucker. Uh, and a guy that the Sixers have desperately needed in the post-Jimmy Butler era because, as we know, Jimmy was that guy uh, that instilled confidence and grit. And once he left, the team got soft as baby shit, right? So it is time that we do break down a little bit of P.J. Tucker. I asked Philadelphia podcaster Ryan Rostein. I was asking him, hey, like, tell me about P.J. Tucker and how impactful he is on this team. His response, in my opinion, was fascinating. Everything but points. Uh, it's, you know, he's, it, it was frustrating in the regular season because he did that often. And the value couldn't be seen in the regular season because, you know, those games don't matter. And the, the style is significantly different. But he brings everything to this team. He brings toughness. He brings leadership. I look at P.J. Tucker as the leader. It, it, I, I talked about it for years about how this Sixers team lacked leadership. Embiid's not a leader. Embiid's not a grab your shirt, what are you doing, let's go, guy. Like, he's not rah-rah. He's not going to say anything or lead. Neither really is Tobias or, the, or Harden. So Tucker's providing leadership and toughness that this Sixers team uh, has been lacking for a long time. Facts has been lacking for a long time. And, of course, P.J. Tucker went out and did what P.J. Tucker does. Six points, three rebounds, one assists, four fouls. Impactful, probably hard fouls. Still managed to be a plus one in 31 minutes in a game they won by, checks notes, one. That seems absurd 
but no one has crazy stat lines like P.J. Tucker. You look at game one when there was no Embiid, when the Sixers stole uh, game one in TD Garden. Tucker in that game, 37 points without attempting a single field goal. Absurd. 0-5-1, two steals, and in a four-point win, P.J. Tucker was a plus six. Exactly the amount that they're winning by, P.J. Tucker is a plus of that same amount. That's how impactful and important P.J. Tucker is. I think what we call P.J. Tucker is Jimmy Butler if Jimmy Butler couldn't score. That's what he is. He does all the same things that Jimmy Butler does except for put the basketball in the hoop. One minute he's deflecting a pass, the next he's in b-ball Paul's face, imploring him, uh, just furiously telling him, yo, play defense, get some rebounds. One of the best moments, I think, uh, that highlights P.J. Tucker in this particular instance is, so Joel Embiid has been known to be a little lazy in all moments, not just regular season moments. Joel Embiid sometimes doesn't have the most consistent motor. In the fourth quarter, when they are razor thin in the fight, in the thick of the battle with the Boston Celtics, he watches Joel Embiid take multiple plays off. So what does he do? He gets into inside of Joel Embiid's asshole, just reaming him, just yelling at him, grabbing onto his jersey. Like, like that's not the MVP. And they asked him about it after the game, and this is what he had to say. Nobody can guard Joe one-on-one. There's no way. I'm sorry. It's not a disrespect to Al or anybody else, but I guard him for a lot of years. And when he's aggressive and assertive, it's impossible. And I've seen him two or three plays in a row not do that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we can't have that. We can't have that. Not with a season on the line. We can't have it. Can't have that. He's taking plays off. Can't have that. No, sir. Joel Embiid, one of the most dominant scorers, physically imposing, has some of the best footwork you'll ever see, like very light touch around the rim, hits his free throws, can shoot threes. You're not stopping that man. The only thing stopping Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid's motor. So if the motor motor is going at full blast, Sixers could win a title. And that is what P.J. Tucker is there to wind little Joel Embiid up and to get the motor to restart in critical moments when he is taking time off. Also, listen, like if he didn't do that, Sixers are probably down 3-1. That's, that's just the fact. Uh, one final point, though, about the Sixers. Doc Rivers. I never thought I'd say it, folks. Doc Rivers has been really good. His coaching has been on tippy-top shape. The type of Doc Rivers coaching that we thought he was when he was in Boston, right? Handling things perfectly. Adjusting the lineup to make up for no Embiid in game one. Keeping some of the players out from the lineup that we thought might get significant minutes. Using Harden in a catch-and-shoot situation. Where, when has James Harden ever done that? Looking at the film to get this team to have better spacing, better ability in the pick and roll. Game four, you see this changing. He is having some of the best coaching playoffs I've ever seen. Obviously sending Harden the eight-minute-long Gospel song. Something has gotten into Doc Rivers. I don't know if it's just because of how bad Joe Mazzulla is, but Doc Rivers is coaching circles around Joe Mazzulla. Another thing that's impressive in terms of Doc's coaching, he is doing something very underrated. Kerr does this. Spo does this. Even after a win, he's just moving the chess pieces, calling out the refs, getting very mad because Jason Tatum pushed off 
on a three-point that he made that could have lost the Sixers the game to set up more favorable calls in game five. Jason Tatum's three was awful that that wasn't called. Awful. Did you? Did you think it was a push-off? I'm asking you. No, no, be, be committed. Did you think it was a push-off? It was a push-off. You can't. And the reason it, it bugged me, because at the end of the game, there were the touch fouls. You know, Jason Tatum has a 360 foul. Uh, Marcus Martin gets tangled up. Touch foul. So if we're going to call it that way, then you have to call that. Uh, to me, that you got to call that play. I know it's a big play, and I'm a big fan of refs not deciding, but that could have decided the game. That could have decided the game. Good job, Doc. Is he wrong? No, that was an absolute push-off. And I love the fact that Doc Rivers forced the reporter to also admit, do not be going both sides of the line with me, reporter. Did you think it was a push-off, or was it not? Okay. Uh, Doc is on one in this series. Is that enough to put him over the top? I don't know. Probably. Maybe. Joe Mazzulla continues to be ass at the end of games uh, and came out and admitted that, yeah, I fucked up uh, at the end of game four. He had this to say after the game. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I should have called a timeout at the end of OT to help us uh, go for a two-for-one situation uh, for a couple more possessions. Obviously, 14 seconds left, down one. You want as many chances as you can. So definitely learn from that. Ooh, Joe Mazzula, how Mike Budenholzer of you. <laughs> that is something else, uh, especially considering that Joe Mazzula literally just after game three came out and was like, what about those adjustments? What about those adjustments I had while, while walking out the door? Not just the end of the game management. It's what Marcus said also last week. Uh, yeah, speaking of Budenholzer, it sounds exactly like Budenholzer here, too. Yeah, most of our offense is just random. We're just getting random out here. That's why Jalen Brown's postgame comments were so telling. I guess I got to demand the ball a little bit more. Um, I thought good things happened when I had it in my hands, but I thought our offense was was was, was okay. I thought we... We made, we chipped away. We made big time shots. We got great looks all game long, um, and we just came up short in the end. Give me the fucking ball, Jalen Brown should like not be only shooting the ball th- three times in seventeen minutes of any game. Very, very like clearly, let alone in a winnable game to go up three one and take the Sixers and put them to sleep. That is on the offense, and that offense is directed by who? Joe Mazzulla. If this series comes down to who's coaching better, Doc or Joe, I hate to say it because it is is a wild thing for Doc Rivers to have a coaching edge in any series, in any playoff series at all. But listen, I think Doc is head and shoulders a better coach right now than Joe Mazzula. So that means Boston may be out, and that is saying a lot about the Eastern Conference.